This is Adam Hill, the minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ. I always tell our church family, read your Bible. You'll be a better Christian. My prayer is that this Bible-based sermon will help you follow Christ more faithfully. Let's learn together as we study the Word today. I want to welcome you to week two of our messy series, where we're talking about how hard it can be to love real people in person. Thanks. <clears throat> that, that, that last week we talked about loving, how loving the way that God has called us to love will require us to learn to love ourselves. To make our peace with how God has decided to love us fearlessly and unendingly. And, and, and we talked about how in spite of our brokenness, our faults, and our messiness, God has specifically chosen you and prepared you for his mission in this time and place. Perhaps the most important thing that I hope you heard last week was that your brokenness does not disqualify you from God's mission. Rather specifically, it qualifies you and prepares you specially to reach people around you. The way that Kenny said it this morning, he quoted scripture when he said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Okay, that, that, it's, that it's when we come to grips with and admit our own weaknesses that God can shine through in his grace and proclaim the gospel to other people who, who can see the authenticity of what we're wrestling with. And so I have to learn to love myself the way that God loves me. Okay, today we're going to change directions from inward to outward and we're going to talk about how I love my neighbors. Now that's a... That's a topic that I talk about a good bit. Okay, every, every preacher kind of has their, their hobbies, I guess. They're things that they talk about a lot. And, and, and this is probably one of mine. I like to joke and say I really only have like three sermons. I just keep using them over and over until people tell me they don't want to hear them. Uh, and, and, so, and so this one's going to be about loving your neighbor. But I, I, I want you to know this is part of who we are. This is in our church's DNA. All right, loving our neighbor is what we do. Loving God is why we do it. That's, that's our mission statement in, in, in its most plain form. Loving our neighbor is what we do. If you see our stationery, if you get a card from us, if you get letterhead from us, you know our elders pray for a lot of you by name every week, and you may get a card from them, and it'll say on it, loving God and neighbors. Okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. Okay, so we want to love our neighbor. Loving our neighbor is what we do. Loving God is why we do it. This is in our DNA. But, and we have a word, even more than that, we have a word this year. If, who can remember the word that I told you was kind of our challenge word, our, our focus word this year? Purpose. Very good. Purpose. And when we talk about living with purpose, when we talk about the purpose for which God has made us, we look at this right here and say, one of the key things we want to do is love our neighbors well. We want to do it on purpose because it's not something we simply want to do accidentally. We want to make sure that we're doing it the way that God has intended for us to do it. Now, we have a tradition here at Rochester Church of Christ where we will stand, if you are able and willing, for the reading of God's Word uh, at the beginning of our teaching time. And so I'm going to ask you to do that now as we look at Luke chapter 10. 
And I am going to read from verses 25 to 29. It's a text you're probably familiar with. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? And the man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Heavenly Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to love, and mouths to speak to our neighbors. God, may we be disciples who do what you say is most important. May we be about the work of your mission every day. God, as we study today, we ask, Father, that you would speak for your children are listening. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen. Amen. How do I love the people around me on purpose? What if they're not easy to love? And just like that, I start to sound like the guy in verse 29 saying, well, but who is my neighbor? And if I'm honest, many of us have asked the same question. Many so-called Bible-believing churches find themselves squirming as we ask, okay, but aren't there some exclusions? Aren't... Aren't there some stipulations, maybe some people who aren't included in this whole loving others business? Like there's got to be a few people. Because it's just, it'd be too hard if they were included. Our call is to love beyond exclusions, beyond fear, beyond messiness. I will tell you this, one of, the, one of the main reasons, one of the strongest reasons so many young people leave the church is because the church, in Jesus' name, has excused and excluded so many people that we have problems with, but whom God loves. I'm rolling up my sleeves because it's getting serious. <laughs> Y'all better look out today. You see, what they notice, what these young people are noticing as they leave is that we want to pick and choose who it is we'll serve and who it is we'll love and who it is we'll welcome. And they rightly point out that that doesn't resemble the Jesus that we proclaim is our Lord. It's kind of like being in a boat and seeing a boat approach from the opposite way. 
right? We're going one way. That boat is coming from the opposite way. And we can see that that boat, those people are in distress. We see it in their eyes. We can see it. They, they look nervous. You can see that they're having trouble. And they start to even talk about it. And our answer is, oh, man, we would totally be willing to help you. But you're going the other way. If you were going our way, then we'd be perfectly glad to help. But, but you're, you're headed a different direction. You're not going the same direction as us, so we're not going to help. Now, let me blow your mind. Let me, let me make some good gospel trouble. What if we thought we would stop and help them, but they ended up helping us more? All right, not enough trouble yet. What if, what if their boat had issues? That's true. But we were the ones actually going the wrong way. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Lord, save us from parables that hurt. And he says, nope. And he tells us this parable about the good Samaritan. He says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says to him, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers and they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. The word for passed by on the other side is actually the word avoided. It's not just, when we think of roads, we might think of, I don't know, uh, I-75. Lots of lanes, lots, there's a divider, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Or maybe you think of, maybe you think of like a, a, a highway, maybe, you know, maybe even, even just think of Avon Road. All right, ancient roads, not that wide. Ancient roads are about as wide as this center aisle. Sees the man in this like eight-foot space. And passively avoids him, goes out of his way to not have to deal with him. There's no chance he didn't see him. He saw him and then he avoids him. Get this. He says, and then a Levite, when he came to the same place, saw him and avoided him. Passed by on the other side. Here they are. There are no mixed messages with either of these guys, the priest or the Levite. Don't even get your hopes up that I'm going to stop and help. The representatives of God in this world, the priest and the Levite, are making it clear that they will not help this man that they can see is in need because something about him is not okay with them. But a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus concludes, okay, which of these was his neighbor? 
And the expert in the law says, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I want you to do what he did. He saw, right, as soon as he saw him, he stopped and he helped. See, stop, help. All right, not, not that difficult. He saw him. He stopped. He helped. He says, I want you to go, and that's what I want you to do. I want you to go and do likewise. Now, here's the deal. Who's, who is a Samaritan? Who was a Samaritan? In case you didn't know, most of you know where the Samaritans kind of rise up from, that, that after Israel is kicked out of the promised land in the exile, there's some folks who kind of move in into the region of Samaria, and, and, and they sort of take on some of the habits of some of the remaining Israelites there. There's some intermarriage between them. They take on some of the habits, but not all of the habits. And they end up kind of being religious in the same way, but not really. But the Samaritans were, were a people who were, when the, when, the, when, when the Israelites came back to their land, had taken over their place. And so they didn't like them for a whole host of reasons. But even more, just look at Luke chapter 9. Just one chapter before our story. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. The people there didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Okay, Samaritans don't like the people that are going to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, I got a plan. Let's just call down fire from heaven and destroy them all. Uh, yeah, sons of thunder for sure. Here we are. This, this is the reaction towards Samaritans from people who have been with Jesus for three years. Three years in the presence of Jesus, and their reaction is still, you know, we could just kill them all. It might make the world a better place. And just one chapter later, Jesus tells a story that makes the good guy a Samaritan. I mean, you got to understand, there, a regular prayer from the Pharisees would include the words, thank you, God, for not making me a Samaritan. And now here is Jesus telling this, this teacher of the law, I want you to go and be like the Samaritan. Go and do what the Samaritan did. You see, this call is not just to love those who are easy to love. Not just to love the folks we agree with. Not just to love the folks we see eye to eye with. This call is to love everyone. We are called to love everyone. And it is this that makes discipleship a lifelong mission. Jason Havner 
um, a lot, whose, whose ideas have to do with a lot of this series. Um, Jason Havner is a pastor. He wrote this. He said, the idea of loving our neighbor is beautiful to think about <clears throat> so long as it remains an idealized abstract concept. But the concrete reality of loving our neighbor, that all too real exasperating person that we would not have chosen and might not prefer and might prefer to escape from, strips the beauty away. Or so we're tempted to think. Who is my neighbor? We try to make this command more complicated than it is. You see, the world is full of hurt and brokenness and loneliness. And humanity is crying out for love. And it is our mission to provide it. And here's the deal. Not theoretically. We don't need to love the world theoretically. We have to do it actually. Sarah Barton who has preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard on loving neighbors, puts it this way at one point. She says, this is what God is calling us to do. Do whatever it takes to love neighbors. Welcome them. See them. Hear them. Serve them. Speak up for them. Understand them. Attend to the needs they have, not to the needs we suppose they have. And instead of sitting around asking, who is my neighbor, in the name of God, pick one. See, stop, help. One pastor put it this way. He said, what connects us with Jesus so that the salvation he accomplished for us becomes ours is faith. Okay, what connects me with Jesus so that the salvation he accomplished for me is faith. Amen? I trust in his forgiveness. I bank on his promises. I cherish his fellowship. Okay, that's faith. That's what, that's what secures for me the things that Jesus has for me. But what makes this kind of action so remarkable is that the faith that connects us with Jesus and receives his justification is, as Scripture says it, a faith that works itself out through love. In other words, it's the kind of faith that proves its reality by producing love. Love does not merit our salvation. But love proves the reality of faith that receives salvation. Okay, I'm going to say that last one again because I needed y'all to at least give me an amen. I got one person who nodded, so me and Dave are on track. But, but, the, but the rest of y'all got to catch up or else disagree. <clears throat> love, love does not merit our salvation. But love proves the reality of the faith that receives salvation. Loving people doesn't earn us our salvation, but loving people is proof of the salvation we've already been given. It's not easy, but it's necessary. And I say this to people all the time. I say it to my son all the time. You can do hard things. It's not easy, but, but you can do hard things. You have the power of God in you. 
You have the presence and spirit of God in you. You can do hard things. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. We are far too comfortable deciding who can and cannot be loved, reached, or welcomed. So if we're going to love our neighbors the way that we're called to, the way that it becomes a blessing to us, not simply some way that we can give to them, but we can also receive what God has in them for us. If we're going to love our neighbors, here are two things we're going to have to actually do. All right, I have two essential practices. If you're asking Adam, how do I really do that? There are two things I want you to do. The first one is love when it's not convenient. When it's inconvenient, choose to love. Now, I love every one of you. I really do. So don't throw rocks at me when I say crowded schedules and busy calendars are a really easy excuse to not actually love people. That I can say, oh man, I would, but I'm so busy. Oh, I just don't have time to do that hard thing because my schedule's already full with the other stuff I want to do. Do not let convenience win. Say yes when God puts someone in your life, even when it's inconvenient, and pray, pray, pray in humility that you find someone else who says yes when you are the inconvenient one. I'm not going to lie to you. You may be giving up on some cool things. You... You may be wanting to do important things that you're not going to get to do that day because you've made space for this, thing, for this person that God has put in your, in, in your life. You may miss out on something. Do it anyway. Show the people around you that your priority is not your schedule, but the people that God has placed in your life. And you communicate your priorities, not by what you say, but by what you do. Parents, your children are watching you make this decision, and they're learning. Christians, the world is watching us make this decision, and they're learning exactly where our priorities lie. I am not asking you to give up everything. I am asking you to prove your faith by being willing to say yes to the needs that God puts in front of you. We have to realize that the call to God's mission and purpose in our lives is going to kill the idol of convenience. And I've been worshiping at that idol for a long time. Our faith should regularly intersect 
with our conversations and interactions. I, I can't tell you how many people talk to me and say, well, Adam, I, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't come up. It's just not natural. Sometimes I feel like I have to Jesus juke people into actually talking about faith because I don't, I don't you know, Jesus juking. When they're like, what time is it? And you're like, time to talk about Jesus. And, and, and like bring it in unnaturally into a con- You know, like you set, you set it up. Like the, I'm, they say, well, unless I do that, it doesn't really happen naturally. Then I'm going to say, you need to live your faith a little more out loud. Because what I find is that when I'm authentically following Jesus, when I make space for the people in my life that need more grace, when I talk to people who don't know Jesus yet, and I'm real about who I am, they, guess what? It comes up. That authentic faith will intersect with normal conversations and interactions. Unless we've so domesticated it to a mental exercise that it no longer changes the way we actually live. Jason Havner again goes on and he says, doing good in your free time isn't really loving your neighbor. It's loving when it fits around your preferences. Can you do good in those moments? Yes. But it is also the picture of a convenient Christianity. A part-time faith. Folks, and like I said, it's this cherry-picking approach to the mission of God that young people look at and they think, that's counterfeit. That's not true devotion. That's not sacrificial. Which leads me to the second one. Love by actually meeting the needs. See, stop, help. Start with prayer, but don't stop there. After you pray, step into the need. Be there with hands and feet and arms and legs, strong backs, big shoulders, open hearts and open ears because it just might be that what's going to happen in this exchange is going to be a bigger blessing to you than you thought you were going to be able to bring to them. Do you believe that by entertaining strangers you might also have entertained entertained angels, messengers from God? It might be that the folks we're going to help are the ones who are going to help us. And and when I say actually show up and help, I mean meals. I mean, sometimes you need to say, hey, we got your kids. We'll take the kids. Y'all need to spend some time talking. I'm talking about kids sitting. I'm talking about house cleaning. I'm talking about bill paying. I'm talking about mentoring. I'm talking about some friends of mine, Brian and Alicia Scott, who have made it their practice to love their neighbors. And, and Brian has a... Um, he, he does this porch concert once or twice a year where he'll invite, he'll, he'll invite a musician or two or three or four and they'll play on his porch and he'll put on a concert on his porch. They bring a food truck in. They've got all, they block off the road. 
where he lives so that, so that they can bring this food truck in. And all his neighbors just get to come out and sit down in their lawn chairs and, they, and, they, and there's food and there's friendship and there's fellowship and they have just a party right there in the street, a concert right there on his porch and they enjoy that time. Okay, he's, he's, they've made a ministry of loving their neighbors. They know all the people on their street. They have the, they have the water bowl out front for everyone else's dog. If you've ever been to Brian and Alicia, you're going to sit on their porch. All right, they have the porch. Well, one of their neighbors, her name's Sandy. Sandy got to know them, got to experience the way that they loved, and they started talking. And what's amazing is their talk had these interactions. Every time they had interaction and conversation, sooner or later it came around to faith. And it talked about, they talked about Jesus. And all of a sudden these conversations led to some real interesting discussions that, that, that started to take place and some, some, some interesting things. And Sandy began to, began to visit, come to church with them. Sandy, can you stand up for me? Sandy was baptized into Christ <laughs> about three weeks ago. And that started with... Loving your neighbor. Being a friend. Their need might be someone to talk to. Be a friend. Open up. It's about tangible presence and provision. How can I be present? How can I provide? And this is not always easy. And I'm going to... All right, here's the part that might be a little gross, but just work with it. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're all going to be okay. There was this car trip <clears throat> that Kelly and I and Cooper were taking. Cooper doesn't know I'm telling the story. Is he in here? All right. Love you, buddy. Um, <clears throat> this is going to get a little hairy for a second. We were taking this trip. We're riding in the car, and we've been riding through, uh, you know, Virginia, and it is, it is windy road. And I'm like, guys, we're we doing okay. And they're both, they don't do well with windy roads. They both get a little bit of car sickness. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, are we doing okay? Okay. And after a little while, are we doing okay? And I hear Cooper get sick in the back seat. And I feel that Cooper has gotten sick from the back seat. And everything in me is like, oh, no. <laughs> right? And I'm trying to hold it together. And so I'm pulling off the road. You know, we're trying to get off this exit into, into this gas station where we can get out and assess what's going on. We know what's going on, but we're going to at least try and clean this up. And so I get there. I pull out. Kelly opens her door and immediately darts for the bushes because Kelly doesn't do spit and vomit. And so she heads to the bushes to add her own. And I was like the only one there. And I didn't want to deal with this. This was not what I was looking for. Cooper couldn't deal with it. He's, he's like, ah. And I'm like, yeah, just get away. All right. I don't need, I don't need anyone's help. It's me and this, this pack of baby wipes are going to go to work. Sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be messy. And you know what you get to do? You get to roll up your sleeves and you get to go to work on it. Because you're the person who's there and those are people you love. That's it. 
There's, I can't make it, I can't make it easy. Because it's not easy. It's messy. Sometimes, I didn't know if I was going to include this line, Dan, but I decided to. And I thought of you when I did it. You ready? Sometimes you just have to suck it up and be about it. That's it. I, got, I, I can't make it any plainer than that. All right, if we're going to be about this loving our neighbor is what we do, and loving God is what we do, sometimes you got to suck it up and be about it. I want to call up a few people who are going to suck it up and be about it. All right, I want to call up everyone who's going on this mission trip to Alaska. I don't know if y'all are aware, but Dan and a few others are going to lead a group of people who are headed to Alaska to do some mission work for a week or so. Yeah, come on up. Get on, y'all get to come up on stage over here. You can clap for them. Thank you, Steve, for trying. All right, uh, and then I, Bert, I'm going to call you up, and I want you to say a few words, and then uh, Keith, can you come up as well, and Barb? Barb, are you, uh, who, which one of you is praying for them? Yeah, both of you come up, and Barb's going to pray. Keith, Bert, I want you to say a few words about what they're going to do. You can use that mic right there, that one right there, and you can say a few words about what the plan is, what they're going to be doing. And, and, and how they're going to bless people. And then, Barb, if you'll say a prayer over these folks, we want, to, we want to commission them as missionaries to go out and do this loving our neighbor business. All right. I'm, I'm going to do my best. Um, first of all, Adam, as I was listening, knowing I was going to do this, I, one of the verses that means something to me when we send people out is from Romans. So I just want to read that, and then I'll talk about what they're going to do. Is that, that, that okay if I change your plan a minute? Just, just a little bit? Good. Okay. Romans 10, verse uh, 13, 13 through 15. For whoever calls on the name of Christ will be saved. But how will people call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a messenger? And how will they preach unless they are commissioned and sent? Just as it is written and forever remains written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Amen. Starting July, 20, July 14th, I almost shortened your trip by like a day. July 14th through July 24th, these guys are going to Alaska. Talk about going west and north, you know. But, uh, and they're going to spend that 10 days, most of that 10 days, uh, serving, using their hands, using their feet. And I want to encourage you to listen to the people you encounter. It's not just about hammering a nail. It's not just about um, being there. It's about listening, as Adam was saying. It's about listening to them. It's about talking to them. It's about sharing who you are. The, the best conversations I've ever had on the mission field have been when I have shared my life story, when I've shared where I have been because that then opens, you've honored them with that and, you will, and they will honor you with something back. So that is my admonition to you. And I'm gonna let Barb and Keith pray for your. We are so excited for you. We are a little bit jealous 
but we didn't do the preparation. We didn't do all the, the thinking and planning, and we know that you have, and we are so excited for you. You're going to just see beautiful places in God's creation, and you're going to meet neighbors in, in the airport. You're going to meet neighbors in Alaska. You're going to meet neighbors on a boat, on a plane, on a train, in a car, in a box. And, <laughs> and we are so excited, and we hope you come back and tell us your stories, because I, I, and I, I love what Bert says, you know, you are going to just be encountering and seeing wonderful things. So we're so excited for you. And um, we'd love it if any of you have specific things that you want us to pray for through the days that you're gone, bring those to us and we will. Because uh, we, I, I know that several of us here are the senders and thank you for being the senders as well because that's our way of participating with you. So, okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for each day of life that you give us. We thank you for each person that you place in our life that reflects your glory, shows us your kingdom, shows us the face of Jesus, and shows us your image. We just pray for safety. We love these people and we want them to come home to us safe and sound, no broken bones, um, no scars or um, bad things. We just want you to return them safely to us. We pray that you will Free us from worry and um, just this adventure will be the first of many adventures for our young people. And we, we just pray that we will have eyes to see and ears to hear and a soft heart to listen. And that you would then use those experiences to change lives here when they return. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your opportunities, and thank you for allowing us to participate in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Mission Alaska team. They're leaving this Friday, so keep them in your prayers. And, 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 and Lord, I hope there are no cynics who are like, well, they're going to Alaska. What about the work that needs to be done here? I've got an answer. While they go to Alaska, we can do that. Right? Isn't that great? All right. God is doing great things. I'm thankful for them. Now, I hope that all of you get the opportunity to read the article in Reflections, the article on the cover. Beth, you wrote that, right? That talks about loving our neighbor from that perspective that I've been kind of talking about how sometimes it's not about us going and meeting a need, but it's us opening our life and finding that there's a blessing there. Right? And, and that they can meet our needs as well. And, and I really hope you start to really just pray and meditate on what it means to love your neighbor and love the people around you. And I want you to ask yourself, and Kenny, go ahead and bring your team up. I want you to ask yourself, who is it that I am struggling to love? And I, I, once again, I don't mean love in a theoretical way. I mean, who is it that I am struggling to love in an actual way? Who is it that I am afraid to love? And I want you to pray. Lord Jesus, show me who it is 
and how I can step into that love. People are messy. Relationships are messy. Communities, especially communities of faith, are messy. But praise God, God loves messy things. God steps into our mess the way he did as Christ stepped into our mess. We love because God loved us first. And so today, if you have yet to give your life to the person who loved you first, if you have yet to say, I want to be on Team Jesus and be really about it, we're going to give you that opportunity. We'll baptize you into Christ today. If you haven't made that decision, that confession in your life, we want you to be all in on Team Jesus and learning to love people the Jesus way. Amen? Amen. So let's stand, and we're going to sing together. And if you need to give your life to Christ, take this opportunity now by coming on forward, and I'll meet you right up here. To learn more about Rochester Church of Christ, check out www.rochestercoc.org. There you can find links to other teachings, opportunities to join our family and serve, as well as ways to support our work. It truly is a wonderful time to be the church. I pray that you're blessed. Remember, you are loved and you are chosen.